Welcome to Dreams X Trash Podcast. Hey, I'm Oscar, co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living and working in Japan with dreams of being more than an unknown writer. And I'm Jason, fellow co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living in Japan and tech and art enthusiast. And Jason, what do we do here? Well, Dreams X Trash is a podcast hosted by us, two Kenyans living in Japan. We have lived in Japan for a combined period of six years, six years, and English teachers. Jesus is right. The conversations are a parasocial look at Japanese, Kenyan culture, society, history, philosophy, and a lot of bullshit that swirls around in our lives. I agree with that. And these conversations are a journey of us attempting to make sense of our lives, the world around us, and us trying to make something of what little knowledge we have. And we do have very little knowledge. And that journey starts right now. Jason, story, story. Story, come. So, so this is what happened. Someone I, I know from my tribe was once driving from Baringo, which is my father's home, home, home region in Kenya, uh-huh. to Nairobi. And along the way, in a place called Limuru, which is a heavily Kikuyu area, uh, they, they, they got a flat tire. So, of course, my relative, this person is, is Kalinja, my father's tribe. And when they, they, they come broke down the at night in the Kikuyu area, a random guy walked up with the car and helped them change their tire. Now, when they got to Nairobi and they told that story, they didn't say my car broke down and someone helped me change the car. They said my car broke down and a Mungiki helped me change my, the tire of my car. Now, for those who don't know, Mungiki would be the, the Kikuyu or Kenyan equivalent of Yakuza or the Mafia. Of course, it's not exactly that, but that's the closest. Uh, description I can give. So what I'm trying to say here is a story about how discrimination and differences exist even within Kenya, uh, Kenya, even within African societies, you know? Like for Jason and I, you and I, we talk about how we are different in Japan and our difference is obvious. But in Kenya, a Kalenjin will call all Kikuyus Mungiki, like foreigners calling all Japanese Yakuza, as an example, you know? So this thing we are so concerned with about being here in Japan, about being foreigners, about being having eyes on us, about people discriminating against us. People discriminate all across the world. We discriminate each other in our own homes. Kalenjin calling a Kikuyu Mungiki. A Kikuyu calling a Kalenjin a cannibal. You know, these things happen. So I think as we move on with this month's theme, we should all we should pay attention to the fact that despite us criticizing the things we experience here in Japan, it's not just Japanese people that do this. It's everyone, everyone that does this. And I don't think anyone, anyone, I don't think there's any human being, I, I okay, I don't know, but I, I truly believe there's no human being who is above this level of tribalism. To some degree, we're all tribal. What, one way or another, we're all tribal. We all discriminate and all racist to some level. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. The same way we're all atheists. You don't believe in the Greek pantheon, the Roman pantheon, and stuff exactly. like that. So it's like you're, you're atheist to a certain extent, right? Yeah. 
you're atheist yeah. up until the point you reach the Christian God, and then you're not atheist then anymore. You're, then, you're the, then you believe it. Yeah, then you're now you're a believer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just yes. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to go through the world and not build up some sort of biases, and uh, yeah. it comes from your our limited perspectives. Mm. Of course, like the way we view so our lives the, and view the world. Here's how, like, my experience in Japan has taught me this. Of course, being in Japan, I don't have very many Japanese friends. I have my wife who's Japanese. But in my head, everyone else who is Japanese is Japanese, but my wife isn't Japanese. She's something else. You know? And the reason I will say that is because I've gotten to know my wife beyond her physical appearance. So when I see a, Jap- a random Japanese person on the street, I have some assumptions in my head about that person's behavior, about their thoughts, about how, how their life is structured. Mm-hmm. But I don't have these assumptions about my wife because I live with her, I see, I see her every day, I talk to her every day. So she, in my head, in, in my subconscious mind, she is not Japanese, she's a human being. And I'm not saying Japanese people are not human beings, but I'm saying like, to Oscar, because I'm going to know her personality and her life, she is more than just Japanese now, she's a full human being. But if I don't know you, you are just what you express physically. Interesting, interesting. So how is that related to what we're talking about today? Uh, so the idea here is being... So I'm going to go, go to the idea of diaspora. Do you know what that is, diaspora? Uh, people have been staying in another country for a very long time. They form a community. Exactly. So you and I are obviously part of the Kenyan diaspora. And so I'm going to start off with the definitions, the etymology of the word diaspora. So the, the word diaspora comes from Greek... Uh, it comes from a word called diasperein. I can't really pronounce that. Or maybe I have, I'm not quite sure. Uh, which means to disperse from dia, di- or dia, which means across, plus pairing, which means scatter. Interestingly enough, the word diasperein, which means to disperse, was first used in the Bible. When the Bible was translated to Greek, that was the first time the word was used. So it was used in, in Deuteronomy uh, 20, 20, uh, chapter 20, oh, Chapter 28, verse 25. And the English translation will be, Thou shalt be a dispersion in all kingdoms on earth. And the context behind this was God telling his, the people, the Jewish people, that if you don't follow my commandments, that the ones which he gave Moses, these are the things that will happen to you. You will be dispersed. Your kingdoms will be dispersed across the world. You will not be one people. Right? So there's this idea of being away from home, according to the biblical history, it's it's a curse from God. It's a curse from God. That's why you have those eyes from you. That's why you're not feeling accepted. That's why you feel alone. That's why you, don't, you can't understand what's going on around you. Because you have been cast by God. You, you and your people have been cast. And that's why you're in the diaspora. Oh, okay. So, okay, okay, okay. Um, where do we begin with this? Where do you begin with this, Casey? So, mm-hmm. is that really a curse to be? Okay, maybe. Okay, I can. Okay, maybe think about it now. It's, it's, it's not really. It's. I mean, of course, according. If you think about, let's look at the the time. Okay, maybe according to the story, right? The Jews, according to the story, the Jews have left Egypt. They are trying to make their way to Israel, right? Right. And they've gotten because they are worshiping. They're worshipping some, some some golden calf, 
saying that's that's their god. Yeah, things things got so bad when they were trying yes. to make their journey to Israel that you know exactly they started losing their minds, worshiping false god, and you know a lot exactly. of infighting and stuff. Yeah, so God, sorry, Moses goes up the mountain, gets the Ten Commandments, and God God tells Moses, if you people don't follow these commandments, these are the things that will happen to you. These are your punishments, and one of the punishments is that your your kingdoms will be scattered across the earth. You will not be one people. You will be one people, but you will not be together. You will not be a, a unit. You will be just everywhere, everywhere. You'll be alone, and that's why it comes out as a curse, or rather a punishment. Yeah, yeah. So it comes off. It's not really. I won't. Maybe not really a curse, but more of a punishment. And I think to to some degree. Okay, I know. I feel this way. Quite often being in Japan, I feel like, like I said in the last episode, there are ways in which I can't express myself here that I would have expressed myself in Kenya, right? The basic fact of just speaking Kiswahili, I can't do that here. I, I have a co-worker who's Kenyan. I see him once a month. That's the only time I get to speak Kiswahili, you know? I call my parents once in a while, my family. I speak to them in Kiswahili, but that's on the phone. I can't express myself to the fullest of my being as a Kenyan in Japan. How much of myself is being shut off because of that? That feels bad, and I'm I, I'm not saying I'm being punished or I'm cursed, but I know that doesn't feel good. You, do you get me, Jason? Uh. Uh. What about you? I think <clears throat> people, human beings are bored, man. There's mm-hmm. a huge call to adventure. In almost mm-hmm. all of the ancient stories, the hero is always called to an adventure, right? Mm-hmm. I think that just goes to an innate part of human beings that just wants to know what's out there. Okay. And after, okay. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's people in general, but I can definitely talk about young men specifically. Young men without a little bit of danger and adventure they almost like cave in on themselves and they can't really become fully fledged but they can't really find themselves without mm-hmm. a little bit of an adventure mm-hmm. and i think part of why people travel and why people like go to other countries and stuff is just like they have that feeling of like wanting to go out into the world and see it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, like ancient, there's lots of ancient stories. That call to adventure is basically something that's very innate within us. And the same thing with Japan, you know, coming mm-hmm. to Japan, it's like we wanted to get away from home. We wanted to go see something. We wanted to go see part of like the world is a big place, you know. True, true. Why not go out there and see it? But I, I understand that and I feel the same way because when I came when I initially wanted to come to Japan, it was yeah, the same thing as you. I wanted something different. I didn't I was I assumed that I was tired of my life in Kenya. So I want to go out and find something new for myself. However, you know, the, the idea of the call of to adventure is that you're going to have the adventure, you know? Get your golden egg and bring it back home, right? You always come back home. Exactly. You come you want to come back home a hero. Look at what I achieved, right? Part of, but, I think a lot of myths, especially like Greek mm-hmm. myths, um, 
they would span a lot of like like the story itself within the story it would span like over 20 30 40 years you know and mm-hmm. the hero at the end would always come back home yes 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 yeah so exactly that's that's my point the point is to always go back home right that's that's always the end goal you go to you go into hell and come back a hero right or you just go for an adventure come back a hero but if you never get to go back home is that really an adventure what is it if you never get to go back home well we are going to go back home eventually I mean, whether, yes, whether we stay yes. home is another thing but eventually yeah, we all we all go back go home. home we're gonna go home but now this is just extrapolating on an idea you know what happens when you don't go back home if you never go back home what happens then is it really an adventure anymore no that means you probably made another home somewhere else because yes. you need a yes. home yes. <laughs> one yes. way or another you need a home right mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the famous case is like the Odyssey, the Greek mm-hmm. mythology. Is it just called the Odyssey? I think it's just called the Odyssey, you know? Mm-hmm. And in that story, the, the main character basically goes on a journey to save his wife. And that like spans almost like 50 years or something, you know? He encounters all mm-hmm. kinds of like mythological creatures, you know, along the way. And he has to do mm-hmm. all kinds of like trials and challenges and he becomes like stronger and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the human condition. That's the human condition in a nutshell, right? We choose to, we, ch- we choose our own adventures. And in the beginning we're weak mentally and physically, but by going through trials, by making mistakes, we grow stronger and stronger. And then to a point where we can consider ourselves a hero and then at that point we can go home we feel like we can go home what strength have you gained since coming to japan ah jesus there's so much <laughs> there's so many things i've learned about myself uh-huh. um tell me, tell me. i can work well when it comes down to like everything being on the line Mm-hmm. I can surprisingly work well. Mm-hmm. There's so many times where it was like push comes to shove and like there's a lot of things hanging by this like one deadline. I have to get all of this work done and this one go. Or like even coming to Japan, I have to make this job work because if I don't, I will be immediately sent back home basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it will be like all that hardship, all that working, all that money would have been for naught, you know? So this job mm-hmm. has to work. Uh, and that like all that stress hanging on in this like it's a new country it's a new language um sure i'd learned a little bit of japanese but not enough it wasn't enough um and i was that was my like first real teaching experience i was i've handled kids before but not teaching teaching them right my first formal teaching experience so like all of these, there's just so much new information and like there's so much stress with the, like everything, the weight of everything being on my shoulders, you know, mm, yeah. and failure absolutely not being an option. And mm-hmm. somehow I made it here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really do think it's a bit of a miracle because I think there's so many ways I could have failed looking back. There's so many ways things could have gone wrong. 
yeah. Oh man, I feel you. I feel you in that. I I think I've learned. I don't know. Okay, so the important lesson I've learned while about myself while being in Japan is that no matter how uh, you always think, or personally, I always think that it's impossible for me to go through something until I have gone through it. Mm, right? Yeah. There's so many. I've had so many hardships since come to Japan. You know, number one, just like you, the language barrier. I've I've seemingly overcome that. You know. Number two. Employment, employment. You know, my first job in Japan was it was it was hard. It was hard. I was working twelve hours a day, six days a week. It was so hard, so hard. And every day I felt like I can't do this. I can't do this. But despite saying I can't do this, I was doing it, right? Mm. And I and of course I've had other other challenges with my own family, like with my wife. And there's just there's so many difficult things I've gone through here that if I was in Kenya, it would have been so much easier for me to deal with them because I have the farm that raised me close by to support me. But here, the only person I have to depend on is my wife, Yumiko. Right? And there are many ways that I do depend on her. Like, it's, uh, the simple thing just with the language barrier, for instance. For those who don't know, in Japan, if you go to the city hall, you know, paying your taxes, collecting, you know, like any any formal docu- documents and, you know, signing up for anything. Everything is in kanji, the Chinese characters. There are no English documents. And you have to write everything in kanji, not in Roman alphabet. So if you can't do that, you're going to have a fucking hard time at the city hall. So for most of, in the beginning, when we first got married, most of it was my wife doing, <laughs> handling all the documentation because I couldn't do any, any of it. I actually couldn't do anything. Right? And I was basically illiterate. That's what I was. I was. I was a child. I was a child. Right. Right. But now, at this level, being where I am now, of course, I'm. I owe so much to her, just because of those that small thing. It's not a small thing, but I owe that much to her. But now, I can comfortably go to the city hall. I can get my documentation, dude. I think I told the story, Jason, about what I, there was once. I was going to apply for a loan in a bank. And it was so hard because they are asking me so many questions, uh-huh. and they ask. So I speak Japanese, but I don't speak the super polite Japanese because I wasn't taught that in school. I didn't learn that in school, right? And also, there's, there's, there's a specific terminology that they probably use in banks for loans and exactly. stuff like that. Exactly, it's just jargon. It's all jargon, right? So I'm in this bank, and I can't. I'm trying to explain my situation to them. Because I already got the loan, but I couldn't get the money because my address wasn't Osaka at the time. It was still Kyushu. So they couldn't give me the money because I had to change my address first. But it was impossible to, for me to change my address because I wasn't living in Osaka yet. You know? <laughs> so I left that bank so frustrated. I called up my wife and said, hey, hey, they can't give me the money because of ABCD. And you know what my wife did? God. My wife berated me like a child. You know, it's like one of those things where she... <laughs> <laughs> she, she made me feel so small that the next day when I went to the bank, I was so fucking ready. I was so ready for any question that might drop on me. <laughs> wait, why did you, wait, 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 why did you make a you though? That's interesting. No, because we needed the money when she because she expected us to get the money on that day, right? Uh-huh. And so I just wasn't able to get the money because I wasn't understanding everything they were telling me and I couldn't express myself to the fullest of my capability. But after talking with him, he called the phone and her berating me. It's like, 
I didn't even feel bad. I felt like, fuck, she's right. She's so right. So I went there. The next day, I was so fucking prepared for any questions they might have had. For any questions I might have had myself. Uh. And I left the bank with my money. <laughs> I left the bank with my money the next day. <laughs> Damn. And it's so, such things. You know, in Kenya, I will have given up or maybe just say, yeah, fuck it, I'll do some other time. I can, I'll take care of it whenever. But in Japan, because of how my wife and wife also pushing me, I was able to stand up taller, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely a superpower of gain in Japan. Thanks to my wife. Definitely thanks to my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think also that one thing of like realizing who to depend upon, you know, I've not had people depend upon in Japan. It's just been Yumiko, just my wife. And I can tell you, you know, despite all the problems we've had, I know that I can, I can always lean on her. Mm. I know I can always lean on her, despite all the problems we might have as a married couple, which we do, like all other married couples. Mm. But because I have been forced, I have been forced to spend most of my time interacting solely with her. Uh-huh. I know her. I, you know, it sounds, it sounds like it sounds so, it sounds like a lie, basically. But I know her so well. Uh-huh. Because they have been forced to interact with her so much. So much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I haven't been running away to friends and clubs. I've just been dealing with her. So uh-huh. learning how to depend on someone is a strength you also gain when you you learn you learn how you learn who you can trust and who you can't trust. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um you, I uh-huh. think one of the things that's really hard for people is most people especially foreigners that come here <laughs> with the dreams of like leaving living in the nippon nippon mm. a lot of them come by themselves mm-hmm. and the really brass ones come here without speaking japanese mm-hmm. and those are the ones that get slapped with reality mm-hmm. real real hard mm-hmm. um it's funny how Japan has created a merry-go-round of sorts for foreigners who want to live the life of Japan for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Hey, just become an English teacher, you know? You can ALT. experience Japan. Have you seen some of these advertisements for ALTs? Yes, of course. Of course. Assistant Man, language teachers. They're so teachers. beautiful. They're so beautiful. It's like, oh, go to this part of Japan. They have the most famous beaches in Japan. They feed yeah. into that whole idea of like, come experience Japan for a year, you know? Yeah. It's going to be yeah. fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun, you know? And then when they come here, they realize, like, a lot of them still do enjoy Japan, right? That's why people keep coming back. But it's like, they realize, oh, there's so much more to Japan than... (laughs) My idea and the vision of Japan in my head does not match what Japan actually is like, you know? (laughs) They come here, get hit with the culture different, the culture barrier, um, what, how hard it is to actually interact with Japanese people sometimes, which is another topic which I find interesting. A lot of the foreigners, this might be a bit of a side uh, tangent. A lot of the foreigners I know, and from what I've seen, Mm. foreigners tend to have foreigner friends. Of course. Duh. Duh. Which is interesting because like, I know lots of people who come here who want to even just learn the language, right? Mm. And they do have Japanese friends, but like when you look at who they spend most of their time with, they'll always have that one foreign friend who's like their closest friend they spend a lot of time mm. with. Which is, and this is interesting because this goes all the way up until even like the YouTubers. 
I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen Abroad in Japan. Like yes, the, I have. Yes, I have. So he recently released a video of like reasons mm-hmm. not to come to Japan, mm-hmm. and he gave a little bit of context behind his own personal life. Mm-hmm. Even he said that most of his friends, his foreign, like his friends, are foreigners, and they have mm-hmm. foreign foreigner friends too. It's like mm-hmm. the two closest Japanese people he has in his life aren't even full Jap- they're like they're Japanese but they're kind of eccentric Japanese people one of them is a mm. rock star who loves British uh, punk music and another one mm. is like an entrepreneur who's like into like all kinds of like weird uh, American things so they're like super mm. westernized Japanese mm. Mm. so I-, I just thought it was very interesting that even when you come here like to Japan and you you want to like talk Japanese to Japanese people and make Japanese friends Mm-hmm. That's not what really happens in the end for a lot of people. And why do you think that's not what happens? <laughs> Japanese people are hard to approach sometimes. It's a lot of why work. Are they hard to, why are they hard to approach? It's their culture. They're really closed mm-hmm. off and conservative, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's part of it. But another part of it is definitely like no one understands what you're going through. Except another foreigner, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You can tell a Japanese person, oh, I went to the bank, or I went to the like hospital clinic, and they asked me all these questions, I didn't understand. They will understand what you're trying to say, but they won't really get it 100%. But when you tell a foreigner that, they're like, yeah, dude, like I did the exact same thing. He hit me with so many questions, I didn't understand. So they're like, they empathize with you completely. So for some Japanese so, people, you mostly probably get sympathy. So the thing, the reason why we have foreign friends is because other foreigners empathize with us, right? They know, it's basically because they know what we've been through, right? Mm. So what happens when you meet a foreigner? Well, basically he's foreign race, but he has been, he or she has been born and raised in Japan. What happens there? They still kind of get what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. being a foreigner and raised in Japan... St- like they have that part of them that is 100% Japanese mm. but they also have that part of them that is maybe I don't know maybe it's the the foreigners I've met who are Japanese who have been mm. raised in Japan but mm. they still have that western the westernized side of them you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you still talk to them and you'll be able to have a conversation and it doesn't seem like they're that Japanese until they speak Japanese and hang around Japanese people, then you're like, okay, okay, yeah, this person has been in Japan for a very long time. You can see it and you can tell. So it's almost like code switching is the word, right? Code I think switching. in uh, Big Mouth. Big Mouth, um, I'm, I'm using Big Mouth as an example, right? Mm-hmm. There's the character Missy. She's mm-hmm. half white and half black, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever she talks with her parents and with mm-hmm. her friends, she's almost mm-hmm. using this like safe, safe for white people version of herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that white people will be able to like accept and be friends with. Something that isn't too far from what they know to be a black person, right? Mm-hmm. But when she hangs around with her, the black side of a family, right? The African-American mm-hmm. side of a family. She mm-hmm. talks different. She acts different. 
and she goes on full on black basically you know and she even uses like different terms even the way she swears and the slurs and everything right and well, that's I, I think okay okay so that's that's talking they, about people who are in japan who have been raised in japan but are not japanese right and that's what they call like code switching, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So for the people who are raised in Japan but aren't like full Japanese, mm-hmm. they probably code switch too. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I get that. I get that. I can see that. When they were Japanese people, they're more Japanese mm-hmm. and they behave mm-hmm. like Japanese. But when they were foreigners, they speak English and they act more Westernized. Code mm-hmm. switching. I literally have a friend who was like this, the bartender friend. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, it can be a little bit difficult for him. His mm-hmm. Japanese, like, he's he stayed, like, he's 21. Okay. He's 21. Mm-hmm. And he's been in Japan for, like, he was born in Japan. Mm-hmm. His father is Japanese. No, I think his mm-hmm. mother was. No, he's, yeah, his father is Japanese. His mother is British. Mm-hmm. And his English is, like, almost, like, pretty much perfect and also the japanese is perfect Mm. but the way he hangs around like the japanese customers in the bar and the way he behaves around the western the foreigners is a Mm -hmm. bit different Mm. why is that so i will say i definitely do the same thing in kenya with my family because like i said my father is from a tribe called kalenjin my mother is from a tribe called embu Uh And I'm from a tribe called Quest. Anyway, that was a silly joke. I was going to be like, what? <laughs> I was, oh my God. You, I can't believe you made that joke. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, I was, when I, spent- I, I was actually a little bit in shock about, like, did he actually just make that joke? What? <laughs> that was really random. Anyway, continue. So, like, I def. so when I'm with my father's side of the family, there's a way I carry myself. Because I, I kind of assume what they're expecting of me, and I also see the kind of people they are. So there's a way I carry myself around them, and I do the same. A different, I have a different version of myself. For my mother side of the family, I'm never just one version of Oscar for both. You know, it's like they're like when I meet my cousins from my father's side, I'm Oscar A. Cousins from my mother's side, I'm Oscar B. You know. And maybe also now there's another Oscar for that's that exists in Japan that maybe my family doesn't even know about, you know. Mm. We definitely code switch all the time, yeah. I guess those lines so, are really they're much more it's much more divisive in people who are born from two different cultures completely. Because with the yeah. people who are born in the foreigners are born here and who are like raised mm-hmm. in Japanese, like like my bartender friend, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just call him Andrew for now. So like with mm-hmm. Andrew, for example, British culture and Japanese culture are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. You have of the course. East and the West. You're, you're code switching amongst friends and family, which we all do. That is true. We do mm-hmm. code switch. There's a certain way you'll talk with friends and you won't mm-hmm. talk with... You won't talk the way you talk with your friends with your family or with your mom and your dad. You'll get mm-hmm. slapped, Right. So we do code switch there, but like the way they code switch is totally like that's a big line, you know. Mm-hmm. Acting like with Andrew, like having that British side of him and having the Japanese side of him, you know, and how different and how 
I don't know. I I, I don't want to say they're incompatible, but like, there are definitely moments where it's like, should he be Japanese or should he be British? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There are probably a lot of moments like that. But I think after a while, so he's been doing this his whole life, right? Of course, he's been raised in that mixed family. So he's been doing this in his whole life. So I think he's at reached a level whereby he's no longer doing it consciously. It's happening subconsciously. He doesn't have to think about whether to do it. It just comes. You know, like even when I do it back home, I'm not thinking about it. Even, even when anyone does a code switch with their friends, they're not thinking about doing it. It's just something that happens because you've been doing it all the time. When you start writing, you don't think about how you're... When you hold a pencil and you want to write A, you don't think about how you're going to write A because you've written A so many times, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah I do agree. Yeah. I yeah. think one of the most important triggers for the code switch is language too. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Definitely. Language. Language. Language is definitely a thing here. Language <laughs> is definitely a thing. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask you... The next question I'm going to ask you is... so. Insofar as being in Japan is concerned, you have obviously had to give up some aspects of Kenyan culture that maybe were important to you back home, right? Are there any ways in which you express Kenyan culture to yourself and to the the non-Kenyan people around you in Japan? By not giving a fuck. When I give a fuck, that's how you express Kenyan culture. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Japanese people and like, I think even other foreigners, man, they stress themselves out so much. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's rubbed off on me. I've been so much more anxiety filled and worried and stressed out and thinking about things that don't even exist in Japan mm-hmm. than I was in mm-hmm. Kenya. You know, mm-hmm. Kenya, everyone's just like, ah, you have power, you have water. Why are you stressing? It's all good. It's all good, you know? <laughs> you know, let me tell you a funny story about, yeah, same thing about how just Japanese, like the, the aspect of punctuality in Japan, how that has rubbed off for me. It's like what, when I leave the, the house, I don't leave the house at around 12. I know to leave the house at 12 or 3. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. The specific times you know, like... Exactly. Like... If I, if I leave by this time, I don't need to rush to the station. I can get my train. I can still get my train. If I leave at 12 or 5 instead, I'll have to rush a bit. You know? And I don't want to rush. So now, let me tell you another story. Uh-huh. Another story. I remember there was one time I was, I was in Kenya. Maybe I was in university or high school. So my mom was supposed to go and have a meeting with someone or lunch, whatever it was. Uh-huh. And so it was around midday, and my mom got a phone call. <laughs> and the person, I guess, the person on the other end of the line was asking my mom, was telling my mom, I'm here, where are you? <laughs> my mom said, I'll be right there, give me 10 minutes. My mom hadn't even taken a shower yet. <laughs> uh, I've seen my mom do the exact same thing. Yeah, we were like, That's Kenya, man. That's Kenya. 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away from our place. I, my mom will be like, her friend is calling. It's like, don't worry, don't worry. We're just round the corner. Give us five minutes. Exactly. exactly. All Kenyans will put up with that. No Kenyan will say, fuck you. I'm not going to wait. All Kenyans just put up with it. No, Kenyans know. We all know. and we, Like, we know ourselves. When somebody does that, you're just like, okay, you know. This yeah, guy, yeah. just give him like another 30, 40 minutes. That's the, like they do the translation automatically. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. When you do it enough yeah. time, like 
when, when especially with the friends who have hanged out with you for a while when you start saying ah bro i'm just around the corner man give me like another 10 minutes you just look at the time you're like, like okay you know, you this guy will be here in another hour two hours maybe let's <laughs> <laughs> just relax you know it's so funny because even when when you have a plan to meet someone at one <laughs> even you know not to go there at one you're like no 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 there's no way he's gonna be there at one let me go to 120 130 <laughs> and when you sh- when you show that at one Everyone's looking at you like, what's wrong with you, man? Exactly. What the you fuck? You don't have a life? Yeah, you don't have a life? Why are you here at what, man? <laughs> have you ever shown up at a party exactly when it starts in Kenya? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't remember. I, I haven't. haven't. Sure. But the one time I did, hmm. the owner was literally like my friend, right? Not the owner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was organizing like a big birthday bash, right? Mm-hmm. He was literally looking at me like, he didn't say anything, obviously, but the way he was looking at me is like, bro, why did you come this early? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you told me. You told me. Yeah, but so he's just looking at you like, like you know when someone stares at you like you've done something wrong, he's just looking at you like, okay. It's like, hey man, just just, just go play like a PlayStation game or something. It's fine. <laughs> go chill in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so definitely. So that's an aspect of Kenya culture that I do miss. Like, then no one is in a rush. No one is. It's no one is ever in a rush for anything unless it's an emergency, you know. Even in Nairobi, where things are a little bit faster, Nairobi being the capital city of Kenya, for people who don't know, um, Nairobi is like very much like any other capital. You know, people are always like working and trying to make money and trying to like you know do something. Mm. Even there, there's still times where everyone like like on weekends, mm. on Sundays in Nairobi, everyone's relaxed. Exactly, exactly. Man, not only that, have you seen like if you go to Nairobi City at lunchtime, you know, people have literally gone to the park and they're sleeping under trees. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that before. People, yeah, at lunchtime, people just go and take half a siesta. Just go yeah. to the park and have a siesta, you know? <laughs> just just calm down. Just relax. Yeah. The sun is yeah, out in, and the shade is nice. Yeah. Exactly. But in Japan, no, like, it's all like it's it's it was it was a bit different in Kyushu. Being in Osaka now, I see how intense everything here. Everything is always go 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 go. You know, there is no slowing down. Even just walking on the street, it's like everyone is walking so fast. You don't want to be the guy who's slowing people down. You know. And I think that's a thing that uh, frustrates people a lot about Kenya. Mm-hmm. If you go to Nairobi or in Mombasa, even in Mombasa specifically. And you're the person who's trying to get things done, you'll be absolutely frustrated by the way everyone else is taking it easy and taking it like, mm. you know, pole pole, very slowly. Mm. Um as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, you just found like I wanna get this shit started up like tomorrow, you know? That's mm-hmm. not going to happen tomorrow. Everyone's going to be so relaxed. Mm. They're going to ask you so many questions. Everyone's just like, ah, just calm down, you know? So yeah, exactly, exactly. there's lots of foreigners who go to Kenya who are like, it's perfect for the holiday, the vacation. Mm-hmm. They love it so much, right? But living there or like having a business there, it, that, that, that stuff just frustrates them a lot. So that's so. This is so. You basically answered the question that. So the question was, what cultural? How do you express your culture in Kenya? And it's like the answer is not giving a fuck, right? Yeah, I wish Japanese people did the same too, because there's just so yeah, many but, things that they care about. I'm just like, man, you're gonna die tomorrow. You might die tomorrow. Is this really what you want to like stress about right now? You know, you might die next week or next month or next year. 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, so I feel like I, I do miss that aspect of Kenya myself, you know? However, it's it's like if, Jap- if Japanese people were like that, then it wouldn't really be that much different to move to Japan, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They Something needs to be sacrificed in order to them for, for them to have this well-oiled machine. Exactly. The well-oiled machine. Well-oiled. Yeah, Japanese, it's the most well-oiled efficient machine in the world trains leave exactly at i did you did you did you see the article Mm -hmm. of jr apologizing Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the train left 45 seconds early yep yes i saw that i saw that 45 seconds early the, the train was supposed to leave at like like it's insane that they have it down to the seconds by the way the train was supposed to leave at like 12 30 p.m 12 30 um like 55 seconds mm. and it left at like what it left at like 05 or something like yeah, that yeah. Mm. it left at 10 seconds sorry so 12 30 10 seconds mm. and yeah. people complained and they had to send out an actual official apology to the public. What? What? What are we doing here? What are we doing here while we're counting literal seconds? What? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. To us. Okay. As Kenyans, it makes, yeah, it no, makes, sense. Exactly. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to me as a Kenyan. It's actually, it's too, sometimes it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming the things that people in Japan tend to, tend to complain about, you know? And it's Have like, you seen like uh-huh. Uh-huh. no, you, you, you just finish. You, yeah, there's some train. If you go into some train cars, they have some mild, mildly air conditioned cars. They're not as air conditioned as other cars, right? Uh. And the reason being that there's some people who just tend to feel cold, cold faster than other people, so they don't want to be in a really air conditioned car. So the reason why they did that is because some people complained, oh, the train is too cold. Okay. Right. So they made us a couple of cars, cars for each train that are just cool, cool, but not cold, not really cold as the rest. Uh-huh. Now imagine being in Kenya, and someone complains, "I naskia baridi." Oh, I feel too cold. It's too cold in this train or this bus. What will the, will the driver or the conductor tell you? If you feel cold, then get off. We're talking shenzi. Exactly. And it's like in Japan, maybe. When someone makes so in Japan they don't they don't call it a complaint they call it a claim, you know. When someone makes a claim, that's a complaint. The company or the organization does whatever it can to respond to that complaint as soon as possible. And you and I see this in our workplace, Jason, right? Yeah. How like our bonuses are affected by claims or complaints made by customers, and the complaints can be anything. Oh, I thought the teacher would be American. But he's a Kenyan. Oh, oh my 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 kid left his his things mm-hmm. in the yes, classroom. Yeah. Uh-huh. They blame the teacher. They blame the, exactly. the, 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 the the yeah. They blame the company. Oh, yeah. why can't he be a little bit more Genki? You know, why can he be a little bit more cheery? Mm-hmm. Oh, his voice is a little bit too loud. Oh. Yeah. It, it can be like the amount of claims. I mean, you know, these are not claims I'm making. These are claims that have actually come to the office. Yes, yes. The class ended a minute too early. The class ended a minute too late. I was waiting outside a minute late. 
you know a minute actually yeah. so this there's is- a parent that like asked my japanese teacher that it's like oh mm-hmm. you've ended like a minute late uh what's happened mm-hmm. here i'm like what yeah. the hell <laughs> I've, I've had i've had both complaints a minute late a minute early i've had both complaints i've had both of them and you know they're talking in japanese right in front of me but in my mind i, I understand what they're saying so i was just like wow really she's gonna just straight up i say what's going on you, you finished a minute late it's like we're literally talking to you right now like that's a minute yeah. That one minute could have been anything. It, okay, it, it means the same thing, you know? But, you know, just, just again, going back to how well-oiled the Japanese society machine is, it's like, the only reason why we can have trains that live at the exact same time, where, where, where we can have, like, the perfect bentos, things that are super clean, like the street, streets are super clean, everything is super safe. That's all built off the backbone of people who are working every single day pouring like yeah. their tears their sweat and their blood into everything you know it is through their work yeah, maybe, ethic that we can have this such a super and efficient not, machine. not only not only work ethic but it's also that yeah, maybe i don't know if this is positive or negative but just being willing to bend to the demands of other people you know because that complaint of the train being for five seconds late that no one will give that a two, two thoughts in kenya right I think anywhere, but anywhere in the yeah, world, exactly. I, it's just yeah. that's something that's only in Japan. I'm pretty sure it's exactly. only in Japan. But the reason that JR, which is the company that owns the train line, the reason why they will bend to that complaint, well, not the reason, but okay. So the consequence of them bending to that com- uh, complaint means they're going to endeavor to be even more efficient, right? To prevent it from happening again. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So that will probably never happen again, right? As opposed to Kenya, whereby you're surprised if a, if a bus is on time. Actually, there's no time schedule for buses in Kenya. They, it just comes or it goes. You know, you just go to the bus <laughs> and hope a bus comes, you know? I was explaining that to some of my uh, Japanese friends and they were looking at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, their faces are just like, they thought like we're in war. <laughs> that's just utter chaos. I'm just like, no, that's just the way it is. <laughs> There's no bus schedule. You just get there, and if the bus is yeah. there, you get on. And not only that, how many times have I been at a bus stop and three, four, five buses pass me because they're all full? And I have to be somewhere in a couple of hours. Oh, yeah, that hap- that has happened to me so many times with my tattoos and stuff, right? <laughs> they all just pass you because they're all full. And you're just like, damn. Yeah. And you just have to wait. Just have to wait. What, do you, what can you do? What can you do? Yeah, Japan is so well oiled. It's like, yeah, you're right. It it has to be this way. That's why we feel safe here. That's why you and I will say, I don't think I'm going back home. I don't think I'm going back to to live in Kenya, you know? Because we we know what this is. We've we've seen we've seen paradise, Jason. As far as punctuality and safety is concerned, we've seen paradise. Why would I go back to Kenya? You know? Why? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like I think despite them having this well-oiled machine, mm. they should learn to like relax a little bit, you know? Because I feel like somewhere along the way, the lines have lost a bit of like, not everyone, not all the Japanese people. And like when you go to like the rural areas of Japan, people are enjoying mm. their lives, man. Yes, 
Kyushu, Kyushu, man. I, I, they're not working. They're just getting a government pension. They're like, that's totally fine. And they just farm mm. a few vegetables and mm. sell those vegetables at a local farm. And then they go back home and that's it. Mm. Mm. We have like 30-year-olds or 40-year-olds who are doing that. And they're just enjoying life. They have a family and stuff like that. Public schooling is free. You know, they don't have to worry mm. about that. Healthcare is mostly free too. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I I do see that. I do see that. So now, <laughs> do you share this culture of not giving a fuck with your Japanese friends? Do you entice them to come on on board with this? My friends, similar to the YouTuber, my friends, the Japanese friends that I really get along with are Westernized. Okay. They 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 look at Japanese culture and even they find there's a lot of things they find really annoying. You know, mm-hmm. like one of my friends Yayoi, she's like. She always tells me why the and you know it's funny she's a what she works at a call center you know mm. Mm. for if I remember correctly it's for like a car company or something mm. and she's always like when I ask her how's work she's always complaining about why the fuck do I always have to be so kind all the time you know why do I always have to talk to like the most apology it's like it's really annoying so she even she gets annoyed her being Japanese and she was literally born in Oita like she's always annoyed by like oh you have to always bend it like all the way backwards for the customer she finds that annoying okay. she's lived in canada okay. for like she lived in canada how many years like five six years and then she came yeah. back and even with that small experience she's always talking about canada mm-hmm. and how she wants to go back there there's lots yeah. of japanese people like that actually the western yeah, definitely. I think that's something I've noticed about about Japanese people who have lived abroad for a while. All of them want to go back, you know. All of the ones I know who have lived abroad want to go back to those countries, right? Yeah. They've had, you know, it's the same even with my wife. Right? She 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 doesn't. She would like to go to Kenya and live in Kenya at some point. Are you, you know? serious? She would. Yeah, she, she 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 talks about it seriously. You know, buying land, building a house, you know. And it's because, of course, she hasn't been in Kenya long enough to see everything about Kenya. She doesn't know Kenya the way I know Kenya. She knows the nice Kenya because she, when she was in Kenya, she was living with my parents in nice posh Karen. You know, so, so that's the version of Kenya she knows. So, of course, she wants that. And, you know, all, of course, Kenya being, you know, slow and is in a rush. Like, this is something very interesting that she told me. She said one of the things she loves best about being in Kenya is not having to wear makeup. What? Yeah, because I mean, think about this. In Kenya, women do wear makeup, right? But they don't have to wear makeup. In Japan, especially not wearing makeup especially when going is to work. Polite. Yeah. Especially when in going Japan, to work, wearing, you know. Yeah, not wearing makeup, being supine, as they say, supine. That's being without makeup. It's impolite to do that. Ah uh, no. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And you know, like. If you, you you have your girlfriend now. I don't know if you've seen her putting on makeup, but I, bro, she loves on putting scrumping. on makeup. <laughs> Man, I don't even think Kimiko likes it. I think she just does it because she has to. Let me tell you, on Sunday we're going out, right? Oh. And we were supposed to leave the house at two, so Yumiko went and took a shower at around twelve thirty. She was, you know, she started putting on makeup, you know, just getting ready. And I knew if I get, enter the shower as soon as soon as she's done. I'll sit around for another hour just waiting for her to finish her makeup. And I was right, bro. 
I took a shower at around 1:40, 1:45. I was supposed to leave at 2. At 2 when we were supposed to leave, that's when she was just about to be done putting on her makeup. Imagine 1 hour of your day or maybe 40 45 minutes is gone doing makeup. My girlfriend spends 1 to 2 hours. So I know. So it's like so you know that we're just being in Kenya for the period of time she was in Kenya, she didn't do that once. And she said she loved that so much not having to do that. Yikes. Actually it's like yeah. girls put up in Kenya, girls put on makeup for special occasions, huh? They put on light makeup on every day, like very light makeup, right? Maybe mm-hmm. it's just eyeliner and then that's it type thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit of like lip balm or lipstick and then like some people won't even consider that makeup really. That's just yeah. general like skincare type thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's only when they go out when they like actually put like like on going out on a weekend to a party, mm-hmm. going out to mm-hmm. like a restaurant or something like that. That's when it's like you put on like proper makeup, right? Yep, yep, yep. In Japan, man, high schoolers are putting on like a ridiculous amount of makeup. Mm-hmm. I literally saw a middle like my students. Some of my students are putting on a ridiculous amount of makeup. I'm just like, to to be fair, they they seem to be enjoying it, you know, and stuff like that. So that's that's fine. But it's like that's a habit that they're creating now, you know, and they're gonna keep it's with possible. like. The next 30 40 years are th- mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. 50 60 70 however how long they live for the rest of their lives right mm-hmm. yep 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 and like yep. you said spending exactly. an hour two hours every day on that it's like why uh, um, not, not why of course I, i kind of get why because i've seen wife doing it and she she's explained that to me why they do it you know it's just it's it's part of their culture it's you know the thing about your culture is that all of the things you do in the name of your culture you do them without thinking why you're doing them right mm. if someone asks you why do kenyans take things so slow you don't have a definitive answer you just know that's how things go right yeah just like with japanese people why do they why is everyone in a rush on time they won't tell you why that's just how things are so being the outsider coming in you're the person asking all the why's why 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 this why that why that why? You know it's like even for them being asked all this question it's overwhelming because they don't know why things have just always been that way yeah so i guess maybe we should sometimes we should stop but we want to learn the culture but i guess the only way to learn the culture is just to participate and not ask questions you know um we are being slowly turned into japanese people We're picking up things here and there. Yeah, definitely. You have we have no choice. You have no choice. Otherwise, you can't live here. Basically, yeah, you, you have no choice. You will become yeah. slightly Japanese. Yeah. And uh, at least I do like the punctuality that I've gained. Mm-hmm. Being in Japan, I think it's a mm-hmm. very, very like Kenya. Kenya was the extre- the other extreme, <laughs> mm-hmm. where people. Are, There were times that people had complete disregard for like timekeeping and time management. Basically, there's some places where just time doesn't exist. Let's just say that it's it's daytime or nighttime. That's it. It's a suggestion rather than <laughs> like a rule. <laughs> time is a suggestion in some parts of Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. Should we be an hour from now? Uh, 
okay. <laughs> we don't have to keep track. It's fine. Let's just, you know, take it easy. Enjoy, enjoy so, the moment. So that's the last that, question of the day. Yeah, I, I'll just so end it with that. Some... That's all I really want. I want them to just remember to just sit back and enjoy the moment every once in a while. Okay, I guess you've kind of answered this question, but I'll just ask you one more time in case you have anything else to add. What about your culture do you miss most? Again? Okay. Um, people taking it. Well, you didn't ask. Kind of talked about it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, ah, no, this will be the exact same answer. Ask a different question. Mm-hmm. We have talked about this. That's okay, a different, question. Different, different question, not really about your your culture, but your obligations to your culture. Do you obligations? have any obligations? Yes, yes. Do you have any obligations to your culture, to Kenya, that you observe in Japan? Just behave myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be the behave best. Yourself. Be the best person I can be. I guess. So basically, be the so you don't want to. To tarnish the Kenyan image for Japanese people, right? I don't know if it's the Kenyan image or my family image. I don't know if it's both, actually. Wait, I need to think mm. about this. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I I do I do feel the idea of like. Let's be honest. When when things go wrong, foreigners can be scapegoated quite a lot in Japan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when yeah. things go wrong, they always look at the foreign like, oh look, it's a foreigner. He doesn't speak Japanese. It must be his fault. <laughs> you know type thing and it's just like a lot of the times the foreigners don't even understand what's happening mm-hmm. and and there's also a lot of cases where it's actually not even their fault at all you know but again we're mm-hmm. scapegoated and they're like oh deport deport is us you know but anyway mm-hmm. that being said I I, I, I do think like Mm. Wait, let me think about this a bit more. Wait, what do you think? Uh, so my obligations to my culture... You know, when I first came to Japan, I was very militant about expressing my, my Kenyanness. you know? I was very African garb. Lol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was very my African garb. I was blasting Kenyan music in the dormitories. You know, I was, I was being that kind of guy, you know? And I don't know why I was doing that. I maybe I wanted to prove that I'm not like I'm not like you guys. I'm I'm me. I'm Kenyan, you know. I'm different. I'm different. But now I've kind of lost that. Now I don't. I no longer feel an urge to let to introduce pop Kenyan music. I no longer feel an urge to wear my Kenyan clothes. You know. I've kind of just. I'm kind of vanishing into the crowd, Jason. And I'm becoming less Kenyan and more typical foreign Japanese. You know. And maybe I've lost all expectations of. I've lost. Maybe I've lost a desire to fulfill any obligations. I don't even know what those obligations are really, because as far as I'm concerned, like I'm living my life in Japan. I have a job. I have employment. I have a decent salary. I'm taking care of my family. You know, I'm not breaking any laws. And actually, the worst thing I do in this country is once in a while I may throw a cigarette but in the wrong place. You know. And that's, of course, not a good thing, but I can honestly say that's probably the worst thing I do in this country. So if my obligation is to be the best version of myself as a foreigner that I can be in Japan, I think I'm, I am I am that already. I am that. To some degree, I am that already. Right? I don't think I'm tarnishing the Kenyan name 
or my family name by being the kind of person I, I currently am here in Japan. And it can be very easy to tarnish your, 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 your country's image in Japan, especially, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you just... That's the first question everyone asks you, where are you from? I'm from Kenya. Oh, that Kenyan did that. <laughs> and suddenly all Kenyans have to answer for you. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. so ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I So, yeah, that's... The, okay. Same similar to you. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not really sure what those obligations are, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I haven't thought about it, but I do. I don't like the idea of like I don't like that narrative. So I tend to like try my best to be again to fit in as a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Also, there is this idea, like what you said before. I I don't want to mess up the well-oiled machine. They have like a really good yes, thing going yes, on yes. here, so it's like mm-hmm. I also don't want to mess with that. So it's a mixture of I don't want to mess around with what good thing they have going on here. But I also want to show them like um, you can be you can be exposed to other people's cultures and that's not a bad thing type type experience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? So when I first came to Japan, I I, I had a desire to change Japanese people's thinking, you know? I because they couldn't understand why they were the way they are, you know? And I would I would it was it was such a strong desire for me to try and convince any Japanese person that I could talk to to stop being the way they are, you know? Uh-huh. Like, whatever you're doing doesn't make sense. Stop doing that, you know? You're fighting against the ocean there, Oscar. Exactly, exactly. But now I'm at a point where I've realized, you know what? That's them. That's fine, you know? If they want the, this way, I wouldn't enjoy be, being here as much as I do, you know? I wouldn't feel safe here. If if they were just like Kenyans, I would be looking over my shoulder every time I'm walking at night, right? Yep. If they were just like Kenyans, I would have to rush for the for the train all the time because I don't know what time the next train is coming. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm glad maybe now I have to, I not only under, understand, not only I appreciate that they are the way they are, even though sometimes them being them conflicts with me being me. And that's still fine. That's still fine. It's the yin and yang of Oscar's existence. And on that bombshell, we can end the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any final comments, Oscar? Uh, final comment is that we have found a guest for this month's theme. Uh, he's someone well-known. Well, or rather, yeah, he's someone infamous to one degree, to a degree. So I think the listeners will be happy to hear him speak. Maybe no one has heard him speak in public. So, But I'm happy to, to have him on the, on the podcast. He's going to have some interesting things to say about his life, being away from home. And yeah, we'll see how that goes. Thank you very much, listeners. And as always, thank you. This is only possible because of you, listeners. You, Oscar, too. And our beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful, and wonderfully hardworking marketer, extremely, Peter. Extremely hardworking. Extremely hardworking. Good stuff. Not good stuff. That, yeah. And yeah. as always, you'll catch us in the next episode. So see you then, guys. And bye-bye, Oscar. Bye-bye, Jason. <laughs>